unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, David, what do you got for us today? Today we've got bullet points, and I'd like to tell you a story about a vet, an Afghanistan vet. Now, he was in a a store, I don't know if it was Walmart or Target or Sam's Club, but it was one of those big box stores, and he was with his wife, and they went to the housewares department. They were looking for an electric can opener, and the vet was an amputee. He only had his right arm. The right arm worked fine. And the salesman showed them the couple. He showed them the best model. And he started rattling off features. UL approved, cordless operation, easy to clean, five-star reviews online. And the couple listened politely, but they didn't say a thing. And this made the salesman nervous. He said, are there any questions I can answer for you? Just one, said the vet with a smile. If I get this, can I open a can with just one hand? And the salesman was a little embarrassed that he failed to mention this, but he recovered quickly enough. He said yes, and the couple happily bought the new can opener. Now, Nathan, what I want to tell you is every customer is like the vet. I don't mean that every customer is an amputee. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean is there's usually one feature or one benefit that's going to make the difference that they're looking for, that they haven't been able to find somewhere else, or that's really meaningful to them, really important, top priority. Maybe they don't even know they're looking for it, but when they find out about it, that alone may be enough to get them to buy. And bullet points are where you highlight individual features and benefits. And better bullets equals more sales. So here's the first thing I would like to remind you of. Copy is powerful, and you are responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, all you need is your common sense. But listen, if you make extreme claims, if you're writing copy in a highly regulated industry like health or finance or business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now back to bullets. Okay, so when it comes to bullets, this was probably the last part of copy that I really was able to mentally grasp. It was one of the more difficult areas of copy for me to really get a good grip on. And for people that uh, either are new to copy or are in the position where I was at, where we're pretty good at copy, but we still don't completely grasp bullets. Can you take a real quick uh, second to kind of explain um, what bullets are and what function they provide in your sales copy? Sure. So if if you think about the vet, a, a bullet would be one performance or capability or benefit of the product that it's just one aspect of it. Like, and being able to use a can opener one-handed in the case of the vet, that's a benefit. That's a performance of it. You might say, well, that's a feature, one-handed operation. No, that the, the, the can opener doesn't have any hands. This has to do with the user. The user only has to use one hand. So if you want to extrapolate that up to any product or service, there are all of these little aspects of it, uh, little qualities, little performances, little benefits that you're just narrowing down and you're putting in a very enticing short phrase 
or maybe a sentence or two. That's a bullet. And where I was confused or where I think the confusion arose for me was, especially with the rise of like uh, Microsoft Word, people put all kinds of things in bullets in their regular writing that, uh, that don't really qualify as bullets for a copywriter. So um, would you mind just taking a, a moment to kind of explain the difference between how people typically use bullets in non-copywriting versus how we use bullets in regular copywriting? That's a great question. And I think Microsoft Word has probably single-handedly done the most to confuse people about what a good bullet is, maybe Word and PowerPoint. Uh, so in typical text or content or uh, prose or a business report, um, uh, even like an editorial article on a, a website, a bullet is usually simply a condensation of an idea, a quick summary statement that that's abstract or that covers much larger bit of material. Uh, so sometimes what's usually in a bullet point would be like, let's say um, you're talking, I'm, I'm looking out towards the Pacific Ocean now, I'm thinking, okay, so you're going to be talking about different types of wax you can use on surfboards. All right. That's cool. huh? So one of the bullet points would be um, in this presentation, we'll cover the three types of wax you can use for surfboards, pluses and minuses of each one. It's factual. It's condensation. Obviously it's condensation because you're not stating the names of each type of wax and you're not spelling out the pluses and minuses. Now bullets aren't always previews or summaries, but, but they're, they're sort of a shorthand. They're sort of, okay, what's the bottom line, Joe? You know, they're the bottom line about a particular topic and bullets in copywriting look the same, but they're entirely different. There's, you know, that, that circle that's filled in, that looks like a bullet, but bullets in copywriting have a different purpose. They're not there to sum anything up. They're there to get the prospect enticed or even sold. They're there to create some excitement, some curiosity, some desire, and in some cases, some conviction that, yeah, this is the, this is the particular product or service I want to buy. Awesome. Thank you for that clarification. Cause I know it's something that I got hung up on. And I'm betting a lot of people also suffer from that. So um, let's get into how people can, uh, I guess, the do's and don'ts of using bullets in your copy. Okay. Well, in, in reference to what we were just talking about, bullets that list features, bullets that are simply statements of fact or, you know, summaries of qualities, you know, the uh, UL certification, the cordless operation, that's interesting. That might be useful information, but it, it doesn't usually create desire. People don't wake up at night or stay up at night saying, oh, my God, how can I get a can opener that's UL approved? Right. <laughs> um, they, they might want to know that at some point to make sure that it's not a, a rogue, dangerous can opener that's going to take over your kitchen or something. But uh, it, it's not a main point. Um, so don't use bullets just to list your features. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example. So let's say you make uh, furniture to hang for people to hang their business suits on. And you have a special one for, I know a few guys, one who is a professional basketball player at one point and one who's just big. Like these guys are over 
six foot seven, maybe they need a special uh, stand to hang their suit coats, let's just say. So you might think at, at the outset you'd, that this would be a perfectly good bullet, but it's not. One foot taller than your average standalone suit hanger. Like, uh, okay. The guy doesn't really care how big it is. He wants to know what it's going to do for him or what problem it's going to solve. So a good one would be built for guys like you. So the bottom of your suit will never touch the ground. That's what he's really concerned about, right? And he has all of these things built for dwarfs or midgets and as far as he's <laughs> concerned, you know, and uh, he, he'd like something for a man of his size, a, a tall and large man, right? Now, you could combine the feature and the benefit. The one foot taller is the feature. Um, but you want to show a relationship with him so that you can see how the feature leads to the benefit like this. At one foot taller than other suit hangers, it's built for guys like you. That means the bottom of your suit will never touch the ground. So you see, that's that's the first thing. Don't just list features, list benefits, or sometimes if it's going to make a difference, you could list a feature and a benefit. Okay, here's another one. Don't make the bullet points obscure or hard to understand. This relates to something you should do, which is a little different. People probably have noticed sometimes bullets leave them more curious than uh, satisfied, or they don't understand exactly what the bullet is talking about. That's true, and we'll we'll get to that. But you don't want to have something that's just obscure, esoteric, has technical knowledge necessary to understand it. You're you're going for more than that. Now I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, you don't want to make them so short that people need to strain their brain to figure out what they're all about. I've noticed that there are some people that, that tend to write in two and three word sentences. I mean, not because they're trying to be clear to the you know simplest minds who are reading what they're writing, but because they always write in the bottom line. It's almost like they're writing math and it's the right-hand side of the equation. Uh, don't do that in your bullets. Here's, what, here's some things you want to do. Okay, you want to focus on a benefit that's pretty close to what the prospect already wants or what they would want if they knew about it. Okay, so you you don't want to take them if they're trying to get to first base, you might talk about the benefit of first base. You might even talk to them about the benefit of second base. You probably don't want to talk to them about the fence in right field. That's just too far afield. Pardon the pun, Nathan. <laughs> That's too far afield from what you want. And then uh, the third thing, the third thing you want to do is you want to use intrigue, intrigue to tease the prospect about an unusual benefit that they might want without spelling it out 100%. Okay. So let's say you've got this exotic tropical resort. Um, and it's not like a beach resort. You've got a lot of land on it. And let's say there's a petting zoo for children there. Okay. Now I'm going to assume the animals I'm talking about can exist in a tropical environment. So if somebody gets offended, just go with it, forget it. I'm not actually setting up this, um, zoo, but all right, here <laughs> we go. You don't want to do it like this. Remember we got tropical resort petting zoo for children. Your children will have a great time with our 
friendly petting zoo crew, seven sheep, two ponies, four yamas, and three kangaroos. It's like, okay, now I know about it. There's no curiosity. There's no intrigue. There's no, uh, I want to, I want to see, I really, you know, it's all there. Here's, I think, better. Your children will love our special petting zoo with familiar and exotic animals. They're all safe, and your kids will learn about animals they've never seen before. So that's exciting to parents, right? The kids are going to have a good time. They're going to know new animals now, but they're sort of curious. I wonder what the animals are, and they're probably worried if they're exotic. Are they going to bite? Are they going to hurt the kids? And I say, no, they're all safe. So you've, you've taken care of a lot of objections. But you still don't really know what's in the petting zoo, do you? Yeah, but you're much more intrigued to go find out rather than the first example where you laid everything out and there's nothing left to wonder about. Exactly. You want to leave them with some things to wonder about. Uh, now here's an idea a lot of creative people have trouble with, even some really advanced copywriters. But uh, it's a discipline that will pay off and increase sales. And that is do your best to keep each bullet to one simple idea. Because if the idea is clear and compelling enough, that one bullet alone can knock your prospect off the fence and convince them to buy. The flip side of that is if that one simple idea is buried among two others and the prospect has to think about it and read it over a few times, they won't. They won't read it over a few times. They'll keep going. They may even be scanning. So you want to just jump out at them. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. Now I want to uh, give you like a a very, very short course in what the best copywriters do to write bullets. And I was surprised when I learned this. I'd been doing some of these things, but I thought that was just me, you know, perfectionist David. No, uh, the guys who swing for the fences, a lot of them will take some time crafting really good bullets. And one of my A-lister friends who had multiple controls in the mail at the same time for a major mailer told me, he writes each bullet four times. Wow. And believe me, he's pretty good first, you know, right out of the shoot first time. Uh, yeah, four times. Then there's another A-lister who's known for beating controls. Uh, yet other A-listers <laughs> admitted that sometimes he would spend hours on one bullet. Now, understand, this is for sales letters that are going out in the most competitive markets in the world and can bring 
five, six, sometimes even seven figures of royalties to the copywriter. So if you're not going for that kind of major league grand slam, then you don't have to do that if you're not in one of the most competitive markets in the world. But it certainly pays to put more time and craft into the bullets that you're writing than you've been doing in the past. And most people don't spend nearly enough time, put enough effort, enough craft into their bullets. So it's good to put more into them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the first A-lister thing. When you're swinging for the fences, take some time to craft really good bullets. The second one is go over the product slowly and carefully. Even the things that maybe are boring or unimportant to you and again put yourself in the mindset of your customer i can't say that often enough i'll keep saying it so you're going over the whole product when you write your bullets and this is a time when you really need to slow down and again this is what the the pros do the a-listers the best copywriters in the world so first of all there's several steps you want to Make a list. You want to pull out as many unique features as you can. And you don't write benefits here. You're not writing the bullet here. You're just making an objective, dull list of the features. And then you could even do this as a table um, or divide. If you're doing it on paper, you could divide the, the page into two columns. For each feature, you want to make a bullet. You want to write a bullet. And then you want to make each bullet as good as you can make it. This is what the pros do. Okay, so that's that's the second one. You want to go over the whole product real carefully. The third thing is you want to vary the length and style of your bullets. Um, as a general rule, all bullets should be written in as few words as possible to get the idea across. The same way you would write a headline or a subhead. It doesn't mean it needs to be only a few words. It means you want to take out any extra words. Anything that doesn't have emotional punch, doesn't create desire, curiosity, or fear, um, you should leave it out. And some should be short and punchy, and some can be longer and more in-depth. And how do you start a bullet? Well, as a general rule, uh, one good way, not the only good way, but this will work for a lot of types of bullets, is you start with one of the five W's or an H, and those are who, what, why, when, where, and how. Can you, uh, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Sure. So... Uh, we were on, on vacation, so let's talk about vacations. Let's say you have a, a vacation guide uh, for the Caribbean. Um, it's cold today as we're recording this, so I'm thinking of warm climates and <laughs> drooling a little bit, thinking about them. So, uh, okay, so let's take where. Um, so I don't know how many islands there are in the Caribbean, but there's a lot, right? Where you never want to go unless you have a small private security force trained in the most brutal hand-to-hand -hand combat. Okay, so you're starting with the word where. What? Um, what, what savvy travelers know about getting the best deals and even discounts at five-star resorts. You know, when you start with one of those things, it, it creates curiosity. It's just great for creating curiosity, and it's great for keeping... Uh, the length of the bullet at, at a reasonable size. Another example would be something in the same line, um, how the most savvy travelers save up to 50% on their airline tickets or something uh, along Perfect. those lines. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So want some, want some tips about writing bullet points? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. 
So the first thing, I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I, I can't tell you how many people don't do this when they should. And it's it's going a little out of your comfort zone, and it may seem like, you know, make work, but it's just the opposite. Um, I mean, it may be uncomfortable at first until you get used to it, but it is so important. It, it can just change the response rate upwards by factors of two, three, five. And, and that is know your prospect. Know your prospect inside and out. Know your prospect so you can write from the point of view that will get your prospect interested and or intrigued and or sold. Okay? Second thing is find swipes. Find swipe files. They're, they're all over the internet. Um, I think there's a free site called swipe.co where you can get a lot of swipes from the masters. Look at how they do it. Uh, three that I would suggest to, to check out are John Carlton, Gene Schwartz, and Gary Halbert. And I'll give you an example of a Gene Schwartz bullet. Um, this is from an old ad he had, a weight loss book called How to Get Thinner Once and for All. Here's the bullet. The simple secret of making the same amount of food seem twice as much. Wow. For someone who's trying to lose weight and is starving to death or feels like they are, that's going to be irresistible. That could turn the sale right there in, in the favor of the seller. The simple secret of making the same amount of food seem twice as much. Okay? When you start to see how it's done, it will really inform all of your uh, copywriting and especially help you write great bullets. So uh, number three, think benefits in intrigue. You want to leave a little mystery in your bullets. That's intrigue. But make it benefit-oriented enough so people get excited, even if they don't know exactly what you're talking about. So here's an old, um, this is um, from a copywriter who's a publisher of a magazine called Money's Worth, Ralph Ginsburg. Uh, this, is, this is from several decades ago, and it, I think it's a very intriguing bullet it's one of the things you would learn in one of his special reports or his magazine. The magazine's called Money's Worth. And the bullet is a borrower and a lender be, uh, based on a, um, maybe from the Bible, I think it is. Uh, oh, no, no, it's from Shakespeare, perhaps. I can't remember. And then so it says, a borrower and a lender be, shrewd use of your life insurance policies, little known feature. Well, there's a benefit, but I don't know what it is. Um, well, actually I do. I'm a licensed insurance agent. I know you can borrow from your life insurance, but if I didn't, I would not know what it was. And that, you know, if I have a lot of life insurance and I, I'm not up to date in this kind of stuff, I might buy the magazine just for that. Now, Nathan, just because I said I'm a life insurance agent, don't worry, I'm not going to try and sell you any. It's, <laughs> I did it for another reason. I haven't sold one policy and I don't plan to. Okay. Number four. Remember that people buy for their reasons, not yours. Oh, let me say that again because, man, this can add a lot to your sales. Remember that people buy for their reasons, not yours. Use your imagination and do your research to think of as many different aspects of your offer as they might be interested in. This is where it really pays to slow down. One of the things I want to say is 
you know, I've spent a lot of my career giving people proven methods and systems and working with my coaching clients to learn these methods and systems and even inventing new ones for individual clients to write faster because the amount of time it can take to write a sales letter can be overwhelming and, you know, well, very time consuming to say the least. Bullets is not where you want to write fast. Bullets is where you want to, you want to put the same kind of intensity and focus and creativity into writing a bullet that you would put into writing a headline. Okay. Cause again, one bullet, just like one headline can make the difference. So can one bullet. And then everything we're talking about, remember to turn those aspects into beneficial and intriguing bullets. And I have a little uh, little formula for everyone here that you should probably write down, or maybe we can put it up on the website um, in the show notes. Curiosity plus desire equals more sales. Curiosity plus desire equals more sales. With an exclamation point after sales. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Now, I have a question. Actually, a couple final thoughts to get from you before we're out of here. I've heard bullets actually be referred to as curiosities. Do you know where that comes from? Who was the originator of calling bullets curiosities and, and what the significance of that is? Well, I've never heard that myself. I have heard them referred to as fascinations. Fascinations, okay. And that came from Marty Edelston at Boardroom. Uh, used to be called Bottom Line. Uh, they, they publish a whole lot of lifestyle and financial newsletters. And uh, maybe... Maybe Marty didn't like bullets because it sounded too aggressive and military or, um, you know, maybe he was anti-gun. I don't know. But um, um, I, I think there's another reason they used it as well. I believe I heard this from Brian Kurtz, uh, who used to work at Boardroom as well as an executive VP. Um, and that is that you want to fascinate people with the bullets. You you don't want it to be like this long laundry list of, of uh, phrases and sentences, which really gets back to the curiosity and the intrigue. Gotcha. And then I just wanted to say, and this will be a little bit anecdotal, but uh, from personal experience, I know that I've made purchases, uh, especially, and this may seem crazy, but I've made purchases on multi-thousand dollar products or info products or courses and sometimes that decision has been made off of just one bullet point. So I, I really can't emphasize how important um, persuasive and powerful bullets can be because uh, more than a headline, more than the full body copy or the call to action or the risk reversal at the end, I know personally I have made big buying decisions off of just one bullet point. So they are very powerful. Well, thank you for saying that, but Nathan, how could I possibly call you crazy if you've just proven my point? <laughs> there you go. David, another fantastic episode. Listeners, if you want to find out more, go check out copywriterspodcast.com. And what do we got coming up next time, David? Well, next time we're going to talk about something that I think is underrated by a lot of people and very important. It's copywriting research. Awesome. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Bye. Hey, 
Hey, we're running a contest to promote the show, and one lucky winner gets a half-hour free consultation with me over the phone or Skype. Normally, people pay $750 for a half-hour consult with me. Now, we'll select the winner of this contest based on the best review posted on iTunes. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. In episode 10, we'll announce the winner. So get subscribed and put in your rating and review today.